That one was alright. It was just a little bit last week. All right, everybody, good to see you. I know that everybody's, uh, hey, hey, you are. Good to see you. <laughs> welcome back, welcome back. Um, I know that people like to visit out there, and that's, that's awesome. I don't want to stop that at all. I, you don't even need to close the doors. That's fine. I don't care. No, yeah, it doesn't bother me. Um, that's the sound of the church. It's awesome. That's our fourth song for the day in my mind. Um, no, but... Uh, I can't, we can't, we've been asked to see if we could do it before service, but that's when band practice is, so we can't do it there. Um, and another part of the week is hard, and then to wait is hard, and then this is pretty much what we can do. So I'll spend some time uh, when we go over giving people time to come into the room, reiterating what we talked about last week in a brief few minutes, but, and then we'll go into it as people come in. But uh, that's, I, can, I can stall. That's the best I can do <laughs> until the time comes. We are in Luke 10, Luke 10, starting in verse 17 today. Yeah, it just makes sense, yeah. We can't dig deeper when there's no hole dug in the first place, right? <laughs> we can only dig. The class would just be called dig if it was before service, right? Chapter 10, starting in verse 17. And I need to use my phone Bible today because I didn't mark my chapters in the places I need to go. <laughs> and we'll just leave it right there. All right. All right, so last week. Last week, we saw, just briefly, Jesus appoints and sends out the 72. One of the major things he asked us to, he told us was that the harvest was plentiful um, and to pray earnestly as the Lord of the harvest um, that he would send, that to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out laborers and that they would uh, be in the midst of his people, building his name in his people, directing them like there's a lot of people who are ready to enter the kingdom and not many people who are going to bring them in is essentially what he was saying. And he went about saying some things that he's the Lord of the harvest and he's so sovereign that he can... He's saying, hey, come to me and I'll help you. That's a, that's, that's a notable thing. He's saying, come to me and I'll help you. He's completely sovereign and able to accomplish all the things within our ministry. Um, and it talked about reliance on the Lord and proclamation. And he went into aspects of judgment um, for rejecting the message, for rejecting God's only Messiah. And we, there's a video online um, about last week because there was a meeting last week. So if you'd like to see that. But today, we are going into the return of the people that Jesus sent out, the return of the 72. And today's, today's themes, Joe's favorite, sovereign grace, my favorite too, uh, wisdom of God and sovereign revelation, God's God-centeredness, and true rejoicing. So Father, may you position our hearts rightly by the tool of your word in uh, spirit to adjust the dials within us and help us to be receptive and glad at what we hear and rejoicing. Rejoicing is the word of the day. Uh, so may, if rejoicing is the word of the day, uh, may you be centered within us and thank you that you are. And it's for your wonderful and perfect name we pray. Amen. All right. 
All right, verse 17. And the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Okay, so they're excited. The exorcisms are working. And that's something that must be done in the name of Jesus. And perhaps they're feeling strong. They're excited about all this. Um, they marvel in the in your name part, yes, as they should. But based on what he tells them next, they're equally, if not more, excited about the demons being subject to them part, the power and the authority. He draws them back in, tells them this, starting verse 18, and he said to them, like this is how he responds to their joy and excitement at first, before he himself, as we'll see, begins rejoicing. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That is a strange statement to make just when they're coming back in. Hey, the demons are listening to us. The rulers and the principalities, the behind the curtainers, the dark workers that are a reality in this world, um, even though this world would say completely otherwise, our faith is in what God says about the world, not what we can see in it. Um, he tells them, I saw Satan fall like, like lightning from heaven. So while they're feeling strong, he, re he reiterates that he's the all-powerful and omnipotent God from and of eternity. Okay? That's why he says, I saw. He was there. He was in eternity, back in eternity according to time, presiding, unabated, impervious to the rebellion ish that was taking place in heaven or eternity of this Satan. Issuing the command and passing the verdict that ejects Satan from the heavenly place. So every exorcism is a picture, and that's what is happening here as well, is a picture of the defeat of Satan himself. All right? He's cast down, they're cast out. The, def the defeat of Satan is something that has happened, is happening, and has a finale. John 12, 31 through 32, Jesus says this, Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And when I, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And Leonard hit today, Colossians 2, 15. He, God, disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing, tri triumphing over them in him, Jesus. And Isaiah 14 um, talks about Satan being impotent as to be like God and suffer the consequences of trying. And I do want to go there to Isaiah 14. You don't have to if you don't want to. I'm just going to read. In Isaiah 14, he's talking to the king of Babylon who God uses to uh, bring his judgment into the earth. And now he's talking to about, about the one behind King Nebuchadnezzar. Even in God, as you, if you read Jeremiah and Ezekiel, is sovereign over, over him. He calls Nebuchadnezzar his servant. Different day. But this is what God is talking about saying to Satan, how are you, how you are, 
How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, O son of dawn. He was a minister of light. That's why he has these titles, was. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low, who caused, you know, we're all responsible for our sin, but there is an ultimate one who's responsible for all sin. He's the one who brought the nations low. You said in your heart, I will, this is still God talking to Satan. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. Uh, that's pride. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. He says, even Satan believed that he couldn't be God but he did believe that he could be like God. And it goes on until verse 21. Isaiah 14, 12 through 21 is that, if you want to read further in your time. And Revelation 12 um, says this about Satan. Okay. It talks about Satan being thrown down as well as unable to gain victory over heaven. And so being thrown down to earth, seeking to devour, to devour the church, and is unable to do that as well. <laughs> um, he's very powerful. He's very, very formidable. He's not to be uh, messed with. However, someone stronger than him moves into the Christian, and he is not to be messed with. So now war arose in heaven, and Michael, his ain't, this is uh, Revelation 12, starting in verse 7, and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, the dragon of Satan, he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for him in heaven, and the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, where do we see an ancient serpent? The garden, who is called the devil and Satan, the accuser, the deceiver of the world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him, uh, and Matthew, Jesus, in this setting, says that a third of heaven was wiped out with him, um, of the angels. Satan's doc false doctrine had spread through heaven. God stops it. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and power and kingdom of our God and authority and his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them night, uh, day and night before our God. That's what he's doing right now. And I love this, so I'll just read this because this gives us some peace. And they, the church, have conquered him, not in and of themselves, but by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. What's our testimony? The gospel. Jesus. For they love not, on their, not their lives even unto death. Therefore, and here's the word of the day again, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, that's all the kingdom, here and there. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath. He's furious. Because, why? He knows his time is short. And it goes on, that's Revelation 12. Um, and so, we have this furious dragon to contend with. But, he's a toothless one because of the cross. Continuing, um, and because of all this, 
we see a lot of uh, failure in the devil when he comes up against God. And I will not scoff at supernatural beings like Jude tells us. But Satan has a 100% failure rate when it comes to God himself, God's dwelling and God's people. So we rejoice because this God is for us. So verse uh, 19, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Okay, the giver of something is greater than the receiver. Jesus is trying to tell them not to be so excited about what they've, uh, the demons are subject to them, but th- that, uh, that they've been given that power that they're excited about having. Um, the giver of something is greater than the receiver. One has and the other needs. One lacks and the other has. One is void and the other is a void filler. So he reminds them in their joy of having this power that they've been given it. Because we error when we focus on the possession of, of a thing to the neg- to when we neglect to give homage to the one who gives it. You know, a Christmas present can get in the way of mom and dad. But a, a good gift, you know, thank you, mom. You know, it accomplishes that. It, it, it relays this homage. So don't focus on the having and be proud, but focus on the giver and be thankful and humble. Um, and again, and nothing shall hurt you. So he gives them this authority, this power, this overcoming um, power, being that power himself. And he says, and nothing shall hurt you. Between the world's people and the God of this world, Satan himself, nothing will cause the Christian any ultimate harm. And I think Psalm 91, um, just to read it as it lay, It's such an encouragement, and I, th- I want the Bible to make this point instead of me. Just nothing, and nothing shall hurt you. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, that's the Christian, will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and, un- and under his wing you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Death has no place near us. Jesus drank every bit of drop of death for us and we'll never taste it. Our bodies will go into repose, but the Christian will never die. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. The only way we'll know death is by seeing it in those who don't have life. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. The Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall befall you. No plague shall come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to give, to guard you in all of your ways. Lean not on your own understanding, but trust in the Lord. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, that's a snake, the young lion 
and the serpent will, uh, you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. That's the Lord talking there. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. Remember, if you've been in here, we've talked a lot. The Lord does all things for his name. He will protect him for the reason of because he knows my name. The Lord will not bring reproach on his own name, and he'll, and he'll keep us safe from bringing reproach on his name and forgive us when we will bring reproach upon his name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him from and, and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. It's good verses to memorize, especially when you're fearful of anything. All right, back, back at it. Verse 20. I keep going. If there's anything anybody wants to say, remember. Yeah, Rich. Uh, when we were reading Psalms, it sounds like we can do it all. Mm -hmm. And also, it's also here in chapter 10, verse 18, Satan fell out of heaven. Mm -hmm. He's not back in heaven no more. Is that, was that the, but here's the thing. He's already tied up where we can have now salvation because the Lord says in one of the, in the scriptures that he binds him so yeah, we can religion. get saved in mm -hmm. a sense. But what I'm getting at is he told them how, what he could, what they could have done, the 72, the 70, 72, when, when he went out, they mm -hmm. could have, you know, Today, there's people in Kentucky said, let that snake bite me, I can live. Uh, yeah. And so are we looking here now at a spiritual warfare? Uh, and the, not like, yeah. oh, I can uh, just uh, just line up people and I'll just boom, boom, boom. Yeah. The Holy Ghost is slamming you, or, or you, know, you fall to the ground. It's slamming the spirit, so yeah. So what I'm saying is, there's a lot of spiritual stuff in this. Yeah. In this words that we're listening to and we can't take it in a literal sense that we have people that can make a person get their hearing corrected if they just blow in their ears yeah and so uh, yeah, people yeah. look at it like hey I, I can do it all and it's not that that's that's not the case there is it Jesus said we can do nothing apart from him he can do all things with man it is impossible with God all things are possible well, we're not looking at trying to have somebody get their eyesight back. We're talking spiritual eyesight. Is, yeah. is, am I right about that? Because yeah, we proceed in faith according to the revealed word of God, and that's our that's all of our doing is in that. Uh, It'll go to our some head. Have that backwards. It would go to our head if I had all this. Oh, power. absolutely, and Jesus safeguards it from going to their heads, like bringing their focus back on. Before he begins his rejoicing, he doesn't allow them to believe that this is their ability. So that's why he says he gave it. To I have a question, Rich. When you, when you were reading that psalm, mm -hmm. and it said, uh, he will bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Mm -hmm. Isn't that what Satan said to Jesus? When Just about, yes. When he took him up to tempt him? Yes. He, he misquotes it and takes it out of context yeah. when he does. Yeah. Uh, this is a wonderful psalm for the person of God that Jesus 
are that the Satan uses for his own means. So it's kind of prophetic. Yes, it's also prophetic. Yeah, the Psalms are prophetic as well as poetry and song and praise and you know there's still there's a lot of great theology in them and yes they're, they're anticipatory and prophetic as well um, and yeah does he mean literal serpents and scorpions some kind of churches and certain regions <laughs> you know swamps and Appalachian Mountains yeah. might you might see it. They give, they bring reproach upon his name by doing what we see in movies, and where they lift the snakes up, put them around their head, and then I've seen articles about pastors who do that and they carry the snake around the room, and then they get bit. It's like I don't know how deep their theology goes if they take that literal. The tread on serpents and scorpions is talking about. Um, nevertheless, okay, verse 20, and here's, this is massive. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. Okay, so they're not listening to you really, but my authority through you. Not incantation, but the, his authority, okay? But, he says, now, now as wonderful as it is, that no ultimate harm will come to us in Christ, uh, Jesus tells us to hold our rejoicing for this, for this next part he's about to say, just hold it. Uh, so there must be something better than power and authority and strength of ministry and life. What might that be? Here's the massive reason and cause for the Christians rejoicing. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Okay, so it's a wonderful thing to rejoice that the spirits are subject to us. Uh, subject to Christ in us, um, but the blessings of God that we experience, they're, we're supposed to, they're supposed to draw us back to God and shoot our eyes to God. They're rivers we swim back up to the source. Uh, they're not lakes that just stay there, okay? Um, but it's a terrible thing to let this power go to our heads and shift us from giving God his glory for what he's given us. What has he given us? Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He's giving us predestined, saving grace. If the book, so there's this book of names, right? The book of life, which all the, all, every Christian name must be found in. And anyone whose name was not found into that, in that book was cast into the fire. Okay? So, there's argument about this book. Was it already written? Is it being written? Are, is it final or closed? Or are people being grafted in? Now, the Bible talks a lot. I mean, if the book was being written, then why does the Bible talk so much about predestination? But the main focus of what Christ is talking about here, we can talk about that for a little bit, but we'll spend the rest of the time don't focus on the benefits of Christ in you, but Christ in you, the hope of glory. Don't focus on the benefits of Christ in you alone, but focus on Christ in you at all. That's what we rejoice in. That's what 
we know our names are written up and that the fruit of salvation coming out in our lives as the word of God confirms it and endorses it and creates it. As we read, to all the good we have is meant to glorify God. Yes, God has written our name in heaven so that we might be with him forever. We're sealed there regardless of what happens here. Jesus is telling us rejoice in that. Our names are written in heaven and it means that uh, regardless of what happens here, weakness, victimhood, sin, and the effects thereof, fault and failure will not follow us there. These, weakness, victimhood, sin, even the, 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 the bad in the world, God can use for his glory. Um, the bad in us, God can use for his glory. These are means God uses for his glory here that have no place before him in us there. Before we go to the next section, is there anything that anybody would like to talk about? I know there's the book of life is a kind of a controversial thing based, based on what theology you have. Um, so verse 21, this is this is great. See God's delight here, God's joy. In that same hour, so that just means there's no lapse of time, and he's putting emphasis that like that in that same hour is just emphasis saying like there's there's no lapse of time. It just as immediately as he said, rejoice that your names are in heaven. Um, he said, what's next? He rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, so we can say it like this, but rejoice that your names are in heaven. I thank you, Father, the Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, such was your gracious will. All right, so it's been observed that um, in all the gospel accounts that we have, we never find the words, Jesus smiled. Now, that might sting a little bit. But, it's hard to imagine Jesus not smiling right here, rejoicing in the spirit of the Father. I, I can't read this without imagining a smile on my Lord's face. This is, this is Trinitarian. He's rejoicing in the ultimate love of God himself, the full love. God is holy, perfect, pure, and complete. That's what that means. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit exist in perfect harmony, unparalleled harmony with one another. No, no corrupting sin like we have, like even with our spouses or brothers or friends or church, there's sin in us, and it makes a mess of things sometimes. There's none of that within God. He's in no danger of getting in an argument with himself. So I can't picture Jesus not smiling here. So we don't just... Who is with the little children? <laughs> hey, Rich. I, I also think what he's hidden from us and we're the stupid ones, and now we're finally getting it, that we're, we're actually saved by Christ alone, but the majority of religion today, and it's in Christianity, we think we're saved by our works. And that, I was a Catholic, mm -hmm. and if I didn't confess my sins before I died, 
mortal, I was in hell. But if they were venial, mm -hmm. I went to purgatory. That was pretty much the gospel. Mm -hmm. Unless you were perfect, like what even uh, Leonard was mentioning about, mm -hmm. uh, about, about the saints, how they're so good, you know. And, well, you know, we can't get away with nothing today. Everybody knows everybody. I mean, somebody 10 years ago, if they did something wrong, they, they, they're booted out of office. But mm -hmm. what I'm getting at is, is the fact that I can't save myself with my works. Uh, I can commit mortal sin, venial sin, but, you know, I have a Savior that I can go to and he can forgive me. Yes. But it's all by the blood of Christ. And, and what I'm getting at is, we're all trying to run our way and do these good things, and that don't mean a hill of beans when it comes, because we're saved by the blood. When it comes to the salvation. Yeah. So I'm giving God, I'm giving God the glory, Amen. because if He didn't send His Son, or if He never sins. resurrected, talking about Jesus, yeah. I would still be in my sin. That, that to me is amazing. That's the and gospel. That, and preach. that's all I can yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have no gospel other than Christ. Oof. So, I mean, I don't yeah. mean to be, I'm not talking about my responsibility or my accountability. Uh -huh. That to me, that what we read is the wisdom that he's given us that once you're a child of God, spiritual warfare is God and the devil because it's the devil who wants us to believe that we're not worth it. But mm -hmm. I think that's where the devil's right. We're that's not worth it. That's why God's grace is so huge. Oh, that you were mindful of me. Yeah, and when we're talking about, you know, we can uh, you know, trample on snake and scorpion well, I can if the Holy Spirit, if God is making the Satan. We can overcome the opponents of the world. But yeah. I, I won't say no more other than that. That's my hope. In that, yeah. That, that, what other hope do we I, have? I don't mean to be nasty about yeah. it. But. Go yeah. ahead. No, I mean, no. Um, okay. Um, okay, being that this is Jesus rejoicing in the Spirit to his Father. It's Trinitarian rejoicing. Um, this is, here we see Miss Gibson first. Um, I'm lost. Yeah. But we don't despair when we don't see Jesus smiling. Why? Because he teaches us of joy and seriously overlooked. That's, joy is a seriously over, overlooked aspect of the Christian life. Think of all the smiling he's put on our faces. Um, we choose where our desires go, and our desires go to where our joy is. What do we love? That's where we go. He comes in and reiterates it. See, we love sin when it needs replaced by a, a more, a, by, by a superior love, a superior. So think of all the smiling he's put on our face. Now, why does he rejoice that some don't see?
see it in the story of Lazarus too. He lets Lazarus die. He's hoping and he says, they let it happen for the glory of God so that we might see it. He even stays where he's at two more days just so it comes across that he knows Lazarus is dead. They tell him to come and he waits two more days. That's where you see the God-centeredness of God. This, because we've never for a moment loved God with our entire mind, soul, strength, heart. But not for a moment did Christ not love God with his entirety. The psalmist, the prophet, the saint delight in God's will by God's grace, knowing full well the insufficiency of human will and the surpassing work of the wisdom of God. Paul cracks open the mystery, and we don't have time to go there, but I keep going back to these two chapters because I think they're the most important in the New Testament, two of the most important chapters in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 1 and 2, where, like, where's the philosopher? Where's the one, the understanding one? Like, God in his wisdom saw fit that man would never know God through human wisdom. I can't, as much as I try and use the cognitive abilities that he's given me, given us, we cannot know God by all of our trying and all of our efforts. It comes from God and God alone. Yeah, it's, I'm sorry, it's too important. I know that we're pressed on time. Sorry, Brian. Um, just to, I won't go as much as I wanted to for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing but to those who are being saved it is the power of God for it is written I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart where is the one who is wise where is the scribe where is the debater of this age has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world for since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach, Christ crucified, to save those who believe. And then he goes on, and I love chapter 2. He forgets all but Christ crucified, and then he goes and saying these mysterious things that only... Okay. Yet among the mature we do preach wisdom. We go into deeper things. God pre or Paul preaches a sermon, then he has a digging deeper class afterwards, right? That's what he's saying here. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not uh, the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret, a hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. Understood this. They didn't understand it. For if they had, We'll talk about what creates that understanding. They would have not crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart of man even imagined. All right? Keep track of me. What God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed, here it is, through the Spirit. No matter, I could read this book cover to cover every day of my life and have it memorized, but have no understanding unless God gives it. For the Spirit searches out everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have not received the Spirit of the world, that's how we operated before, but the, but the Spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this 
in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truth to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not, not, not accept, is not able to understand. It is folly to him, and he is not able to understand because they are spiritually discerned. A spiritual person judges all things, but he himself is to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Okay? So when God saves you, gives you the new hearts, and everything that's opened up within that new heart, there's your understanding, there's your new way of living, there's your that everything that we need, and we'll get to that at the very end, is right there. It takes God to know God. Flesh cannot understand. Natural man cannot understand. And be discouraged because this can be a revealer of, of where our dependence is. This can be a revealer of why we kind of stay away from our Bibles. We don't understand it, but pray for it. Yeah, he, like in the Proverbs, come, like, all these invitations come. I want to give you wisdom. It says wisdom shouting out from the roadside saying, hey, this way. Like God's giving us invitation. So when we, before we open our Bibles, even if we're desireless to open them, pray for understanding and the last thing that you'll regret is spending time in that place. Alright. Alright. These, yes, these are two of the most important chapters of the world pertain to God. We are, unable, we are unable to understand God unless enabled by God. Um, God is glorified in his revealing of himself, not our ability to presume we know him otherwise. All right, Jesus says in verse 22, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Father is except, or no, no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son. So we've established this, only God knows God. The good news is, so do his people. Christians are those who are scooped up into God. Go read first, or go read John. There's lots of this language all over that book. So no wonder the world gets it wrong. No wonder the History Channel gets it wrong. If you've ever watched, don't let the History Channel teach you a thing about God. No history on the History Channel anymore. It's the new MTV. There used to be music on MTV. <laughs> um, we, what are we? Start the next Brian the other day. Oh, how become the everything we don't understand, how it's made, aliens made it. <laughs> that's what we have. See, that's, that's what we do. We don't know God. Alright. Only people who know God by the grace of God, from the will of God, and the spirit and power of God, about the revealed, saving gospel of God, and the God of the gospel, who is himself the Son of God, Himself, God restores us to God. It's sovereign grace. Christians are people who God has chosen to make himself known to savingly. Christians are the only ones, only people who believe the truth, the truth about Jesus, the truth that justifies us by grace, calling our faith, faith that God has given us to believe. Christians are the only people 
who have the truth, know the truth, live by the truth. Everyone else is blind, lying, and deceiving themselves and others. Salvation comes through divine revelation of the truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everything that you heard today that stirred your affections, not just stirred them vaguely, but stirred them up and pointed them towards Christ, that's God working in you. In a song, in, in the sermon, <clears throat> in here, in your word, his word, I mean. And God is sovereign over every bit of it, from the foreknowing to the destining to the calling, to the justifying, to the sanctifying, on to the glorifying, so that he tells his disciples next. Then turning to his disciples, he said privately, you know, he says this to highlight what he just said uh, to everyone, to his disciples. Perhaps he knows it's too much for the people to handle out there, but he knows his disciples must handle it because it's truth. Blessed are those eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets Words are the most powerful thing. By them we receive the knowledge, message, transmission from God of salvation, which all the world is pining for, but only God and his people possess. God's people possess it because only God possesses it. He gave it. Did anyone here desire for God in and of themselves? What did it take? Grace through love one of his people, perhaps, the grace of the gospel, finding you and telling you of you, and telling you of God, and the holiness of God, and justice of God, and mercy of God, and love in Christ. That's what it took, absolutely. And God will use a Christian, a Christian's love to draw a sinner into where he will only use his gospel to save them, to seal them in his love. We feel the weight of this truth now. God takes them aside and tells them something of great weight. And we can ask, do we appreciate this as well? Do you, what you're hearing, what you're seeing, like his face, his eyes in their eyes, his presence in his disciples' presence, his actions in their witness, his voice in their ears, his truth in their minds, the plan of God in their midst, his person there, the most singular and significant highest of the high substance that determines their eternal destiny. God himself is working out his plan of glory and salvation before them. He's saying, do you see it? The stories and promises these disciples grew up hearing from the Old Testament, the substance of them and the Messiah of the, this Messiah is before them, eyes in eyes. He's before us. Not seeing if you believe, he's giving you faith to believe in presenting himself and progressively renewing our minds in Christ. So can't we see? Has my knowledge of Christ cracked the scales of my eyes receiving and believing? Is his blood on our record, perfect life on our resume and resurrection our ticket? banner of Christ alone is our confession. I know all that was very so simply put. Um, 
Christ as a Christian, believing in Christ alone. You know your stuff, you know his stuff, and do you live like it's true? Do you know him and just live like you know him? So in Christ you've been given, in Christ you've been from no merit, merit of your own, graciously singled out, graciously sought out, graciously saved, our being graciously sanctified onto gracious eternal salvation. For you, faith and exhortation, I just want to end with Peter. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him, Jesus, who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers in the divine, in the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So his divine power is granted to us all things. We need not rely on ourselves or rely on our works, rely on some prayer we said to accept him as our Lord and Savior, but receive him rather as our Lord and Savior, relying on everything he did that make him the Lord and Savior. Nothing made him Lord. He is, he is Lord. He just is. But he accomplished Pray for each and every one of these and everyone who's not in the room.